You know, one of the oldest religious jokes around is, how can you sing standing on the promises if you're sitting on the premises? Now, this lady over here nodded before I even finished. She'd heard of it before. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been with this congregation. I'm sorry I haven't been back before now. Rest assured, though, as I say in my reports, that I do appreciate the uh, financial assistance that you're giving me. Getting right into the lesson this morning, if you have your Bibles handy, please turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. And if I sound like a foghorn, I hope it doesn't drive you away. Um, so, but uh, I'll do the best that I can. It's times like this I'm thankful for PA systems. But um, we're going to look as much as time will allow here, and I've told the brother to please put up his hand uh, and um, let me know so I don't go past the time. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, to me it's almost like looking in a mirror because Solomon tells there what life is under the sun and how he experienced everything, as we'll soon read for as much as time will allow, We'll soon read uh, just everything that uh, he wanted, he got. Whatever his eyes, as we'll come to the verse pretty soon, reads, that's exactly, uh, however, whatever he wanted in life, he got. Let's just let that suffice. There was nothing his eyes fell on that he didn't want that he didn't get. And his point is that because you have everything material that you want, everything monetary that you want, and King Solomon certainly had that, that uh, that's still not going to make you happy. And it goes right on to the very end when he tells all the riches that he experienced, all the traveling around that he did, and everything that had to do with man's life under the sun. Solomon says, I've tasted it. And no matter how much you have materially or monetarily, that's not going to make you happy. But it gets right down to the very simple basics. And that's when he said at the very end, to fear God and keep his commandments. This is a whole duty of man. Well, in order to uh, look and uh, 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 read here what uh, King Solomon had to say, here's what we read. Now, I don't know of any other one who could possibly be the author of Ecclesiastes but King Solomon because he talks about the wisdom that he gained. And King Solomon got wisdom from God, uh, obtained wisdom from God uh, whenever he was sleeping and talked to God in a dream. And that's where it was, um, that's where it was given to him. But it says here, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This is more or less like saying, alas, you know, as they say in the old Shakespeare plays. And vanity means empty and vain, but here it also means that which is temporary. Solomon says no matter what you gain in this life, going back again, and hopefully not wearing the phrase out, monetarily or materially, that's not going to make you happy because it's, it's forfeited, totally forfeited whenever you leave this life. Because he goes on to say, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Then he talks about the various cycles of life in the first nine or ten verses of the chapter. He says, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Well, that's not saying that the earth is, is uh, going to be around forever. We know that's not the case, as we'll see in this morning's lesson, and as you studied in your Bibles many times. The end of time's going to come sooner or later, and the earth's going to be destroyed. But as long as the earth stands, it's going to be one generation coming, one generation dying, another generation coming, another generation going. So again, remember, he's showing here the cycles of life. Then he says, the sun also ariseth, 
you know, talking about the cycle, the circuit, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. Everything goes back to, uh, to the beginning. And I remember what uh, Brother D. Bowman once said when I heard him preach on this myself. He said, can you just imagine if you could live forever and be on the mountain and, and, and just watch that same sun rise and set, rise and set, rise and set, rise and set. He says, after a while you'd go crazy just seeing it time after time after time. But that's what happens. Everything uh, goes in its cycles, comes back to the beginning, and that's what he's stating in these verses about how the sun goes right back to where it started. Always rising in the east, always setting in the west, east, west, and it's just a continuation. Well, it's no different with the wind because he says, the wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually. And what happens? Just like the sun, his, uh, and the wind returneth again according to the circuits. Then he says it's no different with the rivers, and we know that. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, just like the sun, just like the wind, he says, and just like one generation passing, thither they return again. Then he says, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. That means you can't describe it all. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. Not, and not, I'm not talking about literal satisfaction here, but talking about you never see it all. I learned years ago, uh, that, uh, and, and, and no doubt many of you did too, don't never say that you've seen it all whenever it comes to good or bad in life. And when it comes to bad, just when you think you've seen the worst, something else will happen. Just when you think you've seen it all, you'll end up seeing more, even if you live to be 100 or if one could possibly live as old as Methuselah. And then he says, they're all full of labor. And then he says, nor the ear filled with hearing. So we're saying that you cannot describe everything that goes on in the world. You cannot see everything that goes on in the world. And there's no way to hear everything that goes on in the world. That's what Solomon said, I experienced during life under the sun. And then, is there anything really new? No, not generically speaking, brethren, because he says, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. Now remember, he's saying this several thousand centuries ago, well, several thousand years ago, a number of centuries ago, and he said, that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Now, I realize the specifics change, but as far as everything generic goes, I don't think you can find an exception. Get a battery of geniuses and a battery of Galileos together. You'll not find anything that's generic that didn't exist then, that didn't exist in uh, Solomon's time as well, and that from then all the way up to now. Because he says, there is no new thing under the sun. And if for no other reason Solomon has to be right, it is because of uh, writing this under the pen of divine inspiration. Then he expounds on that, brethren, in verse 10 when he says, Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time which was before us. Solomon said it happened before my time, and it's going to happen after my time. That which was is now, and that which now is been, and that which now has always been. Now you can name everything in life that you want to name, and you'll find that it existed back in Solomon's time. You'll find that it existed back all the way to the creation, especially once the world began to be populated. There's always been marriage. There's always, and, and of course that's the negative and the positive, there's always been business. You can even find entertainment, as Solomon says later on, he hired entertainers, he experienced all of life. You can talk about business, you can talk about traveling, 
talk about family. All of that has been. And one of my favorite parts here is what we called, uh, for those of you who grew up in the 60s like Sue and I did, the generation gap. There's always been the generation gap. The phrase didn't become popular, grant you, until the 60s. But whenever you talk about the generation gap, what has every single solitary... Well, let's just start from this generation here. If you were to ask a lot of parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents, what's the biggest problem with the young people today? Well, here's the answer you'd get, would you not? You don't pay attention to the teachings of your elders. But you know, brethren, what were our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents saying when we were growing up? Let's just be honest with ourselves. We pulled our shenanigans growing up, did we not? You don't pay attention attention to what your elders teach you. Now, grandparents, what were your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents saying? You don't pay attention to what your elders say. Every generation, all the way of, uh, back to the Garden of Eden, and uh, whenever Adam and Eve had their first son, uh, their first two sons, Cain and Abel, sin had already come into the world. What has every single solitary generation of parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents said? about every single solitary generation of young people, and that same generation of young people say the same thing when it uh, comes their turn to be parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. You don't pay attention to the teachings of your elders. It's the same thing in every generation. It's no different now, and it always will be that way. The generation gap. There is no new thing under the sun. You can apply it to every sin that was ever committed. It, it was committed back then, once again, once the world became populated. Then he says, there is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are come with those that shall come after. You know, uh, the sad thing about it, and it would be totally depressing if we, if we didn't have a better life to look forward to after this, brethren, is that whenever we die after a generation has passed, we're forgotten about. Why? Because the generation that buried us, they die as well. And how many times, how far back can we go? Now, I know we've got uh, Ancestry.com and things that we didn't have before, but a lot of times, how far back can you go? Many times, it's not any farther back to your great-grandparents or your great-great-grandparents. And, and once a person passes on, unless one really leaves a particular indelible mark, such as Mr. Washington or Mr. Lincoln or somebody, unless it's that, after you pass on a generation or, or so after that, who would know Philip North? Who would know Sue? Well, all the generation passes, and it goes right back to what he said in verse 4. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. That's, why, that's one reason it doesn't pay to be arrogant, because one day we're going to leave this life. The late uh, black evangelist Marshall Keeble said, you know, if you don't think you're dirt, just die. That's exactly where you'll go back to. Because, <laughs> I mean, after all, it does say man was formed from the dust of the ground. Then he goes on to say, uh, repeating what he said in verse 1, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. That was 40 years, just like his father David and just like the, uh, the, uh, the one before that, King Saul. And I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom. Remember the great wisdom that God gave him concerning all things that are done under heaven. I wanted to find the why or the wherefore to everything. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. God wants to uh, have his 
ways explored. He wants to have his creation explored. We need to look in awe of God here. But he says, I sought to find out the answer to everything. And he says, I have seen all the works. He, did a, he must have done a lot of traveling, and with the riches that he had, he could very much afford that. But he's seen all the works that are done under the sun, and everything that consists of what is material and physical. Behold, all is vanity and vexation of the Spirit. It'll bother us if we try to find out the answer to everything because we won't. And you can get, again, a battery of Galileos, Copernicuses, and Einsteins, and every one that you can get, and you'll not figure out the why or the wherefore every, uh, to everything. And Solomon says if you try it, you'll end up being vexed or sorely distroubled of spirit. And he says there's some things, and we need not to let our vanities and egos, you know, get the best of us here, but there's some things in life we're not going to be able to control. Now try telling that to some that are control freaks. They feel like they have to try to control every other person they meet, every other situation, move in and take control, and they can find out the answer to everything. Well, what's Solomon go on to say? That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting or lacking cannot be numbered. Too many things are going on in this world to be able to find the why or the wherefore to everything. Too many things are going on in this world that will allow us the ability to do because of our own finite minds. And Solomon said, with all the wisdom that God gave me, I still could not find the answer to everything, the opening of all mysteries. Then he says, I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, look, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Even though he found out answers that perhaps no one else in his day and time could find out, possessing all the wisdom that God gave him, he says, I gave my heart to know wisdom. He really devoted to searching and to know madness and folly. He experienced the crazy. He experienced the insane. He experienced all the happy. He experienced all the sad. But then you know what happened? Something is going to happen to you if you seek to try to learn too much. That's not saying we shouldn't learn all we can about the Word of God. But if you seek to try to find out too much of the why and wherefore, he says, in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Now, if a lot of you in here are like me, maybe all of you in here are like me in a way, you've, you've sought to find out the answer. There was just some things that hit you in life. You made it a quest to try and find out. And you searched and searched and searched, and when you finally found out the truth of it, you wish you hadn't even started to begin with. Why? It makes you sad. Much wisdom is much grief. And you say if it, and, and he says here that he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. The more you know, the more you realize there is to know. The more you know, the, realize, uh, the more you realize that you don't know. And the more you learn, the more you realize you'll never learn at all. I think that's what Solomon seemed to have in mind here. Well, he speaks about vanity of human wisdom in this first chapter and the various cycles that go in life. And then as much as time will allow here, we see in the beginning of chapter 2, the vanity of pleasure and wealth. I obtained it all, Solomon said, and it still did not give me happiness. Momentary pleasure, yes. Momentary satisfaction, yes. But actual happiness, 
Brethren, that is something that comes from within. That's something that's intangible. In other words, you can't touch it. I can touch this pulpit. You can touch the person sitting next to you. And you can touch the, the uh, uh, seat that you're in right now. But you can't physically touch happiness. That's the difference there that many people don't seem to learn. It's intangible and material and physical things, no matter how much you, uh, even if you're as rich as uh, John D. Rockefeller, a native of uh, Arkansas, the Rockefeller family, you probably all of you knew, you still don't find happiness. He said, I said in my heart, go to now and I will prove thee with mirth, that's, uh, that's pleasure, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. Life consists of more than just all pleasure. Then later on he talks about how life consists of more than just all bur uh, of uh, mirth. I said of laughter, it is mad. To spend all one's time and just trying to look for something that's funny, that's not having a full life. It's nothing wrong in doing that way. We don't need to go walking around with a face this long, especially if we claim to be New Testament Christians. But the idea is that one thing alone, too much of one thing is not good. And of mirth, what doeth it? What does it possibly accomplish? Then he says, I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wise, yet acquainting, my, um, unto wine rather, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly. I experienced everything pro and con, positive and negative, till I might see what was the good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. Now, what'd you do, Solomon? I made me great works. I builded me houses, invested in real estate. I planted me vineyards, all that has to do with farming and agriculture. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees of them of all kinds of fruits. Well, common sense is going to tell you if you plant something, you got to have some sort of irrigation going on. Those of you in here who are farmers or have been farmers, you know the truth of that. Because he says, I made me pools of water to water, therefore the wood that bringeth forth. All that had to do with the gardens and the orchards and the vineyards. I got me servants and maidens. In other words, everything that I wanted, I got, and to help me... Um, I had to get help in order to maintain all that I got in this world, servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Back then there were more than one wives allowed by God. Also I had great possessions of great and small cattle. How much? Above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I had more than any one of my day and time and everything that pertained to life, as we'll see here, right on down to all the silver and gold and entertainment. Well, let's just read what he says. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings. In other words, a treasure that we talk about peculiar treasure, that which no one else could have or few people could find, and of the provinces. I get me men singers and women singers right on down to having all the entertainment that I wanted, Solomon said, and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So we see here everything pertaining to home, everything pertaining to business, everything pertaining to pleasure, personal pleasure, everything pertaining to uh, property, everything pertaining to gold and silver, right on down to everything pertaining to entertainment. 
I got it all. I had it all. Then he says, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. He didn't get so far carried away, but what he didn't keep his wisdom with him trying to search out all that had to do with life and all the deep things that had to do with life. And he says, whatsoever, as I said before myself, whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiceth in all my labor. And this was my portion, or my a reward, you may say, of all my labor. Now, it's like Solomon is saying, I said all of this to you in order to say that, all of that in order to say this. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, all the business, all the pleasure, all the entertainment, all the home life then, and, uh, that my hands had wrought or brought about. And on the labor I had labored to do, and behold, through all of his wisdom he could still see this. All was vanity, temporary, and vexation or trouble of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Can you just imagine being involved in one project after another? You're, 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 you're kind of proud of yourself, and a certain amount of pride is not right. It's, it's, it's the extreme that God doesn't like, as, as he had Solomon say in the Proverbs a number of times. But you go through all of this, getting everything that you want, and you feel happy about it, but then you suddenly realize it's all going to be gone one day. Now, it's a sobering thing, and I know it makes a materialistic person kind of have the veins pop out in the neck. Many don't like hearing it, but the sad thing is that no matter how much you get in life, it's all going to stop at the grave. No matter how much you learn of education, that stops at the grave. No matter how much material and physical things, that all stops at the grave. It's all going to be left behind. And the sobering thing is, whenever we pass from this life, who's going to get that wardrobe of clothes that we have? When we pass from this life, who's going to get the car or cars that we own? Who's going to get the home or the homes that we own? Who's going to get all of our property? Who's going to get all of, all of our jewelry and all of the clothes that we currently have? That's only borrowed temporary. And one of two things is going to happen. A lot of it's going to rot away. A lot of it's going to wear away. Everything in this life grows old and wears out, as I'll mention in this morning's sermon. And that is to say the later sermon. And all of that's going to end. It's going to stop. And then where are we going to be in eternity? Solomon said, you can get everything that you want, and it's still not going to make you happy. Now, many would disagree with that, but many have found that out the hard way. I wish they had this, phrase, this a particular sheet in front of me, but many of you have heard the phrase how money uh, is able to buy um, a bed but not sleep. It's able to buy a house but not a home. You've, you've, you've heard of that many times, I'm sure, or phrases along that line. And then he goes on to talk about the futility of labor. He says, yea, after he realized the great wisdom that God gave him, through all the things that he had. He says, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun. Why? Because I should leave it unto the man that shall come after me. We're going to leave it to somebody somewhere along the line. All of it's going to be taken up, even if the county doesn't come and take it. All of it's going to be taken up uh, by somebody else. And again, it's either going to wear out, some of it's either going to wear out before we leave this life, or we're going to leave it behind. 
Well, my other wife, Linda, had, pa- uh, had uh, passed on, rather before she had passed on, she gave me a special birthday gift one time. We went to, uh, to uh, Memphis and saw Elvis's Graceland. And as we were walking through there, it's a one-on-one thing if they haven't changed it since then. You put on a set of headphones and it guides you from room to room. And you see all of the great material wealth that was popular at that day and time before we passed on in 77. And you walk through there and I was just thinking, as I'm sure many people think, all of that's left behind. It's still here. He's gone. That's pretty sobering to go through there and see that. And when I visited California for the first time and saw Hearst Castle up in San Simeon, he had his own movie theater. Everything that he wanted, he got. He was at one time in, uh, in charge of 13 different newspapers, William Randolph Hearst, around this country. And all of that's left behind. It's, it's here. Much of it's still here, but he's gone. You know, one of the most... Um, Sorriest situations I ever heard, brethren. Back in 1976, there was a woman by the name of Sandra Eileen West that passed on at the age of 37 years old. She must not have had a healthy life to have died so young. But she must have been wealthy because she owned a Ferrari. You ready for this one? It took her 30 days for her attorney to get this through. But she ended up being buried in that Ferrari, wearing a negligee, sitting up in the driver's seat. A comedian, a popular comedian, made the remark, well, what you expect to do, check the oil every 10,000 years? Now, just think about that. That's how far some people will go in being materialistically minded. That Ferrari's not going to go anywhere except back to rust eventually. And the body goes back to the dust from whence it came. But this is how much, this is how far people will go to be materialistically minded and then only realize the hard way in eternity that such does just not make an individual happy. What did he say again in verse 18? Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that should be after me. Now what about that person that you're going to leave it to? They may take care of it properly, they may not. They may use it properly or they may lose it. It says, and who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? How he's going to take care of what you leave behind. All that you've worked hard to obtain. Yet shall he have rule over all my labor wherein I have labored. And I've got no control over it, Solomon says. And wherein I have shown myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. It's an, it, it's an empty feeling. Maybe you've heard the term empty barrels make the most noise. Well, that's what vain means is empty. Therefore, I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. Oh, here he's very enthusiastic, Solomon is, about obtaining everything that he can, everything that he wants he got, and then the wisdom came through that God gave him, and all of it's going to be gone one day, he says. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that hath not labor, therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. I remember what Jesus said, we're all familiar with this phrase, where he said, what doth it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Well, if someone could have all the world to one's own self and die without Christ... They missed it and lost it all. 
You've not really lived until you've served Jesus. Then he says, um, all, uh, for what uh, hath a man of all his labor and the vexation or the great troubling of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun, for all his days are sorrows and his travail, grief, yet his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Did you ever notice that the more a person owns, the more, and it's, it's common sense here, more a person owns, the more they have to keep track of, and you get to where you're, you have so much worry and so much maintenance, you'll lose sleep over it. But then he says, let's just break it down a little bit to, and, and more or less simplify it. He says, there is nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and that he should, in other words, enjoy his living, make a living, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Don't just work and not uh, earn the rewards or learn and, and enjoy the rewards of it, he says. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. All that was put under the sun, God meant for us to enjoy, but he meant for us to uh, be careful with it as well. For who can eat or who else can hasten unto more than I? You haven't been through it. I've experienced it all, and there's just no way. And then we'll close here. For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, the one who just simply goes after material things, doesn't leave God in his life, travail, there's trouble. Some people think that's all they have to live for is material and physical things. Have you ever read about the depression? Many were jumping out of the window because they lost all the money that they had. They were killing themselves in various ways because that's, they felt that's all they had to live for. Solomon said, no, it goes beyond that. Even if you get it all like I did. He says, to gather and heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of the spirit. No, there is no new thing under the sun. And I'm reminded of the phrase that one reason history keeps repeating itself is because mankind keeps making the same mistakes. I thank you for your time.